2: Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due. Well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply.
0: And you know what? I've just heard one of the best chants this past day. And it's one of my favorite and it's new. And I hope you all learn it. Because I'm about to drop it right now. You know what I got to say? To all those people that doubted us. To all those people that counted us out. And to everybody who said that we couldn't get it done. What my man Jay J.H.I. just said.
2: Guys being dudes. Whoa. Whoa.
3: Whoa. Yeah.
2: What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the DraftKings Podcast. I'm Joe, Joe Marino of long, MDZ five Scouting Whoa. and FanRike Joined by Kyle Buster Kraft, founder director of scouting with, with NDT Scouting, I also with Rag Sports, and are we are your hosts vision. here on a live a edition of the Draft minute Podcast. Minute. There are people that can see us do just, this right now, and it's I'm really so weird. So weird. Do you always mouth, mouth the introduction back I'm while I'm I say it, or is this a live
3: special here, man? No, this is just, I'm performing for the people. That's really all that this is. Yeah, this is odd, you know. There's probably been, what, five or six podcasts in the history of Draft Dudes where we've recorded, like, being able to see one another. Yeah. And folks may not know this about Joe, but Joe is a big teddy bear with giggle fits. And if if we have (laughs) – yeah, so if you push him over the edge, if you make him laugh – it's going to be really bad because he's going to have a really hard time staying on track. So I'm hoping that my presence here and him being able to see me uh, just, just does not totally derail this entire experiment that we're you having. Hope right
2: that, are you hoping for this to come off the rails really quick here, man? I, I don't know if I'm buying what you're saying. Yeah, yeah you're going to push my buttons yes. tonight. I'm gonna I'm going to be strong, yeah. though. I'm going to be a pro. You know what I mean? I'll be a pro here. This is
3: a corporate account. This is a corporate account. Right. I do have to carry some level of professionalism. Well,
2: I making no promises. I've already slipped the cuss word, and we're off to a blazing start here.
3: And I'm drinking booze, so. Of
2: course you are, because you are. Co- no, no, wait, wait. I'm gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna build off of that for a second. Kyle Krabs is made of two things: coffee, well, caffeine and alcohol. So uh, the man doesn't drink water, and what. That's it. What's no, going water, on? Water, okay.
3: water's trash. Um, I need something with some tangible taste and flavor. If you guys are new to draft experience it for the first time, I don't drink water. No, it's. I actually think it's ironic, ironic for all of the trash that you're talking right now. You're the one drinking a monster energy drink.
2: Yeah, because I have to stay awake for like five more hours tonight. So
3: have a cup of coffee.
2: It's hot, man. It's hot. 81 degrees in Charlotte, North Carolina today, dude. Is it? Is it, it really? It was horrible. Yeah. I was nervous. When I walked outside, I was going to get bit by a bug.
3: Yeah, no, it's it's too soon for that. Yeah. There's no, no insects yet. Yeah, that's the best thing about winter. Uh, but, Joe, we have our first live question. I know we had some beforehand, but Mike Alford wants to know who we compared Derwin James to. We touched on this briefly on the last episode last week where we did Derwin James and Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, and we both had the same comp. Uh, we both compared him to to Cam Chancellor uh, we really feel like whether it's with Seattle or with Gus Bradley in Los Angeles playing the soccer stadium, uh, those are great fits for Derwin, and I took some time today to watch Lamar Jackson, re-watch Lamar Jackson, go back and look for uh, some progressions from 2016 to 2017, and one of the things that I noticed in the Florida State game was Derwin James blitzing interior gaps. Holy cow, like he cornered better than most pass rushers as far as you know, the, the tilt in his body and the ability to carry speed and tight angles. And, uh, that was really prominent on a couple of rushes against Florida State. So I think that's one of the more exciting things for me. If you're going to have Derwin, you have to play Derwin close to the line of scrimmage and give him those opportunities to be an impact defender in the run game.
2: Yeah, I think uh, our player comp was we both had Cam Chancellor for, for our player comp. And so seeing yeah. him, him, him in a role where he gets to play – Close to the line of scrimmage, and um, also have a- opportunities to cover short zones and, and he can actually carry tight ends into space i don 't know that he has any limitations it 's just putting him where his skill set is most optimized and I think that 's a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, but don 't think that because I said that that he can 't play in split zones or deep zones because he can, and so I just I think he 's an interchangeable safety that you know, we talk about these NFL offenses giving you these big tight ends and bigger slots, and you've got a chess piece in, in Derwin James that can take that away. You know, we're we're all over it. And, um, you know, all those comments earlier in the season that he was having a bad year because he missed a tackle versus NC State was uh, was really just poor. And so it's nice to see people getting the full picture here of his film and seeing that he's one of the best talents in this draft.
3: Uh, interesting question from TJ Snedden who wants to know, could you see Denzel Ward – falling if he measures in shorter than expected. Joe, I'm going to let you take lead on that because I have some thoughts there. Well, I I
2: think this is a really good topic in general here because we're getting ready to get to the combine here in a couple weeks, and it's going to be confirmation season. It's going to be situations where we're looking for what we saw on tape to be true Uh, at the combine with the way people measure and test. And um, we already know that Denzel Ward's not that big, right? Like, I don't know. That's not new information. So um, I guess I'm expecting him to come in. Yeah, this is going well here. I, I'm expecting him to come in a little bit on the smaller side of things, so it's not going to be any surprise to me. It's not going to impact my evaluation unless he's just way smaller than we thought. We're talking in the 5'9", you know, sub-190 range. But if he's if he's where we think he's going to be, then I already know that.
3: And that's a good example of don't count it twice, right? Like, you know he's small, and his instances in playing small show up sometimes at the catch point. I thought the game against Simi Cobb was a good illustration of that. But then if he comes in and he measures 5'10", 191 at the combine, okay, like you knew he was small. So you're not going to smash him for, for weighing in smaller than you think. But I will say this. I think the NFL is going to have a little bit of a hard time with Denzel Ward because I do think Denzel Ward is 5'10", and like 192. And I wouldn't be surprised because you saw like Jason Verrett got a lot of the same treatment when he was coming out a couple years ago out of TCU, easily the the best corner in that class as far as like the technique and the footwork, uh, but he ends up sliding to the early 20s I think, and I mean some of that was attributed to just um, some the durability concerns that he had, and those things have shown up so. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they get a little gun-shy on Denzel Ward, even though his tape is is it, really, really good, uh, just because that size does matter to some degree. I think the NFL overthinks it sometimes, but I think you do need to take it to account, and I think you'll see guys like Ward versus Hughes and Jackson and Jaira Alexander, all of whom are going to have more prototypical size, and uh, there's, there's going to be some conflict there amongst decisions. 5'10",
2: uh, is what he's listed at, Kyle. So.
3: Yeah, I think he's right there.
2: If he hits that, uh, that'd be good, right? It's, it's under yeah. those thresholds where it might get a little bit impactful, but I expect him to be small.
3: Next question from CJ wants to know can you rank in order of importance to you the five most important traits when evaluating quarterbacks? I, I think this is good. Uh, I'll tackle first, Joe. I know you may, may or may not have your reports readily up in front of you, but I have those uh, right in front of me so I can read right through those categories. Accuracy, arm accuracy is one for me. You have to be able to put the ball where you want to put it. That can be uh, a number of different things. That can be throwing into tight man coverage and back shoulder throws and throwing low and away when there's a defender coming up over the top trying to break up a pass uh, on an in-breaking route. Uh, That can be holes in zone coverage and throwing with anticipation in that regard. Uh, Number two for me is decision-making. You have to be smart with the football. So I think if you can put the ball where you want it, and you're smart with your decisions with it, that's a really good starting foundation. Those two for me are like my premier traits that I have to have. Uh, for me, th- progressions is number three. How quickly are you able to work through the entire field of play? Uh, do you lock in on that first read? Or are you able to move your eyes and feel comfortable doing that, knowing where your receivers are supposed to be? Anticipation is four. Anticipation being uh, don't be a visual thrower. You know, if a guy is going to break open, throw to the spot, be a spot thrower, comeback routes, dig routes and holes in zone coverage, post patterns. These throws require you a lot of times to throw the ball before the receiver is out of his break at the top of the stem. So can you consistently put that ball into the space that the receiver is going to work back into? And then the last one for me is poise. Uh, How do you handle pressure in the pocket, key game situations, two-minute drill, uh, those sorts of things. How do you compose yourself? Are you consistent with uh, leading the team 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 down the field and getting points and conversions in those key situations?
2: Uh, Kyle, your voice went very fuzzy there. Um, I don't I don't know if that would, oh. no is is if people can let us know in the comments if that sounds fuzzy or not. But it, it got very very fuzzy. Um, Kyle, I, we're getting a lot of questions. I don't really have a whole lot different. Uh, to say than what you just said, I, I think we value the traits exactly very similar. So let's let's keep this moving here.
3: All right. So we we um, yeah, Joe. I think our connection, TJ said it wasn't. Okay. I good. think our connection on our microphones was fuzzy, but oh, you're good, now. Probably good on You're back on. Yep. we're good. We're good. Okay. Thank goodness. Uh, Tim Settle. We've had a couple of questions about Tim Settle. I thought our national scout Scott Bishoff for NDT Scouting did an awesome job kind of setting the table on Tim as far as what he brings to the table. Uh, Joe, have you had a chance to do his full write-up yet?
2: No, no. I've seen him a couple times live, so I have some foundation for him. But as far as the deep dive, I don't have that yet.
3: Yeah, I have an interesting comp for him, and it might not be the sexiest because this player hasn't really broken out like we might have hoped that he would. But Jordan Phillips Mm -hmm. from Oklahoma, now with the Miami Dolphins, Big body moves a lot better than what you thought he would. Phillips was a second-round pick for the Dolphins back in, I think, 2015. And, um, I mean, he is just a dancing bear, like the definition of dancing bear. uh, Ability to get out of his stance quickly, be graceful doing it. He's listed at 335. Uh, And he's really good at anchoring at the point of attack, too. So you take a guy that has some twitch getting off his, off the snap, has the ability to anchor at the point of attack, has tremendous mass in his lower body to really be able to squat and anchor and take on double teams, and then he changes direction like a guy that's 285, 290. So I think there's a lot to like. I don't think his penetration speed. Those are quite on the level of a three technique, so I think that's where he loses a little bit of value. If you're expecting a guy to come in and get 10 sacks, Tim Settle's not going to be that guy. But as an every-down, three-down, one-tech, I think he holds a lot of value.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's got – one thing that I've noticed every time I've seen him is just that he moves so well for his size, and so uh, you get really excited, especially when you see so many offenses that are running – wide zone plays and really challenging defensive tackles to move laterally, you've got a guy that can do that and still occupy that space. So he's a certainly a guy that I'm very interested in. Definitely encourage everyone to check out Scott Bischoff's piece on NDTScouting.com that he that published yesterday that really takes a very deep dive into his skill set.
3: Uh, Joe, so I have an administrative question here. Can you see the questions too?
2: Yeah, I can see them. Oh, what are, what
3: are you making me answer all the questions for,
2: man? I should have I should have said no. I should have said
3: no. No, You should, have. yeah. Just okay. make me do all the the uh, lazy work. But um, yo, why don't you tackle a question here? You yeah, scroll through. Here. Yeah,
2: let's talk about Mike Alford's question here. Is uh, asking for a scouting report on Landon Va- Landon Vader esque uh, Landon Vander esque. Excuse me, out of uh, Boise State, maybe, the linebacker. Maybe I should handle these. Yeah, administrative you know what? Uh, yeah, I will. I'll be just fine here, Cal. Um. He's been an interesting player where it seems like the, the opinions of him are wide-ranging, and, you know, even John Ledger did a piece for com Yesterday he put him in in the article entitled, you know, the players that he doesn't understand the hype on. I like Leighton Vander What is going on? <laughs> um, I like Leighton Vander Esk. I'm going to keep talking about football here while Kyle uh, loses his mind on the other side here. Uh, I think that he is – a good football player. I like his ability to shift through traffic and play physical and cover distance. I think he does have the range that we're looking for. My my concern with Vander Esk is, is when you watch his film, you're just begging for him to go sometimes. It's like you see it. It's right there. Go. Shoot the gap. Close that distance down. Make the play. And so, I, you know, I don't know what that hesitancy is about. He's not out of position a lot, but he's he's he just seems to be a little bit hesitant when he's making his reads. He makes good reads. I just want him to go. And so that's that's my issue with him right now is is that I don't see a guy that really just shoots.
3: You should uh, tell Nacho to keep it down.
2: Uh, Nacho might make oh, an appearance yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, yeah. So so Leighton Van Der Esch for me. Um, I don't know how much I want to bang him on the, the slow reads because I know sometimes coaches, they, they coach you to make those flat-footed reads. And it almost strikes me as that's kind of the approach that they want him to take. But at the same time, there's so many times where the guard goes down. You see the guard step down and the lane's right there. And you just don't want him to make the tackle five yards deep. You want him to get into the line of scrimmage, get into the hole. And that was a frustrating thing for me, too. I think he's a little oversold as an athlete, too, personally, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's an a above-average athlete, but I don't think he's a good athlete. The Brian Urlacher comps for me are just mm, not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. So that's kind of where I stand with him. He's a really solid – I think if you take him in the first round, you're losing value a little bit. If you land him in the second round, I think you you landed a really solid starter for your team for quite a while.
2: He's only a 13 game um, starter too, so he's he he doesn't have a lot yeah. of experience. So there's there's upward growth here, potential for it at
3: least. And there and that's that's a good point. Before we get into, I know uh, Russ just asked about Andrew Brown, and I want to talk about mm. Andrew Brown. But um, that's a really good point. I've had a lot of questions this year about first year starters. Uh, but Marshawn Lattimore is a first year starter. Mitch Trubisky was a first year starter. Uh, Josh Jackson this year for Iowa, first-year starter. So I don't think you necessarily want to hold it against somebody for being a first-year starter if everything else lines up. You know, for whatever reason, some of this is coaching decisions, some of this is just depth that a team might have and senior experience, and some of these guys might be more gamers than, than practice players. So uh, if it all lines up, if the film is good, the technique is good, the production's good, the size is good, which you know, Josh Jackson and Leighton Vander are good examples of that to, to varying degrees. I think Josh Jackson much more of an elite prospect, but um, I I'm not going to knock a guy any more than what my my experience metrics are going to measure on someone uh, as far as um, being a one year starter. And why that may or may not be a bad thing, Joe.
2: Do I have an opinion on that? I'm sorry. I was reading, I was reading the comments while you were talking there. So. No,
3: that's good. You know, Not all of us can multitask. It's no. fine. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm glad TJ thinks we should do live videos more. Um, gives us some character to the podcast. So I want to touch on Russ asked about Andrew Brown, and then Nick Triple asked about Lamar Jackson and the Bills, Joe. I'm going to let you take Lamar mm. Jackson now. Mm-hmm. And then I got dibs on, on Andrew Brown after that. So my que-
2: what's my question about Lamar Jackson and the Bills?
3: Yes. Do you think he falls to 21 and he thinks that he's going to end up being the top quarterback in this class when it's all said and done?
2: Um, I don't think Lamar Jackson makes it to 21, to be honest with you. I think that he's going to – Really? No, don't I don't. So? I don't think he does. I think that there's going to be a team before Buffalo that's going to take a chance on him. There's been quarterbacks that are far less talented than Lamar Jackson that went Earlier than twenty-one, like I don't know, E.J. Manuel, like EJ, like Christian Ponder, like Blaine Gabbert, like Jake Locker. I mean, there, there's. There's, NFL takes chances on quarterbacks, and Lamar Jackson is a great chance worth taking. I mean, obviously, rare dual threat ability. He's got the arm to make any throw at the NFL level. He's elite with his ability to extend plays and, and create for himself. If you can't have a productive NFL offense with Lamar Jackson as the quarterback, then you're a bad offensive coordinator. And so I think that there's a big – potential for Lamar Jackson. And I think that a team like the Los Angeles Chargers, like the Washington Redskins, those types of teams are going to take a chance on them. So do I think Buffalo has a chance to get Lamar at 21? I don't. Also, speaking specifically of Lamar Jackson to Buffalo, I don't know if that's going to be a player that they would gravitate towards. Not because I don't think they should, but because this is a team that not to not to compare Tyrod Taylor to Lamar Jackson, because I actually think Lamar Jackson's a better passer than Tyrod Taylor, but this is a team that really hasn't committed to Tyrod and what he does well and built a scheme around him. Now, I know that may have something to do with, with Rick Dennison, who's now gone, and Brian Dable's now in at offensive coordinator, so he may be more apt to build an appropriate scheme for him. But, you know, Sean McDermott was still there. Sean McDermott didn't dictate that decision. And um, so I guess – even though Rick Dennison's gone, the Bills' reluctance to build around Tyrod to his strengths makes me concerned about bringing in a Lamar Jackson. I, again, I don't think he gets a 21.
3: Um, I Like I said earlier, I watched a good deal of Lamar, uh, specifically looking for progressions from him, and oh my God. That team hung him out to dry more than – any quarterback prospect than what I saw this year as far as opposing defenses, Florida State, Clemson, NC State. These teams brought extra rushers on a vast majority of third downs and and long down and distances. And Louisville's out here running routes that every receiver is 10-plus yards down the field with their eyes away from the quarterback. And Lamar's sitting in the pocket with a terrible offensive line. I mean, let's call a spade a spade here. Their offensive line – was not good, and there's guys crashing through A-gaps, B-gaps. He's forced off his platform, and every single receiver has his eyes away from the line of scrimmage, which just blows my mind. There's no check down. They're asking Lamar to be the check down, which is fine, but when they contain Rush you and your guys can't block worth a damn, what, what like, how is Lamar expected to do anything? So I think that was one of the predominant takeaways that I had from watching Lamar go against NC State and Florida State is these teams had a lot of success kind of boxing him in, and Louisville never really gave him a chance because they didn't use the back out of the backfield. Uh, Mickey Crum has the biggest set of bricks for hands that I've ever seen in my entire life, Uh, just continuously dropping passes, like not doing him any favors, and the route combinations are I saw them run max protect with two routes and ran both routes, 30 downfield, and Florida State brought five guys and couldn't block him with max protection. So I think that's one thing about Lamar, that if you put that into context and you remember that, I think that's an area for growth for him because that's going to allow him to disperse the ball quicker sometimes because it felt like, you know, 2016 was so much quick stuff and then they just went totally the other way this past year. So I think it's an interesting, it, it certainly facilitated more growth from Lamar as a passer, but at the same time, it, it really felt like they, they left a lot of meat on the bone as far as, like, they're forcing Lamar to have to shoulder so much of the load offensively, Joe.
2: Kyle, boss man is, is in the uh, in the queue here. John Owning has joined us. Hi. What what oh, great. Not drinking on the job, are you, Kyle?
3: Yeah, no, I, I am definitely not drinking Jack Daniels on the job. Um, <laughs> so, Russ asked a question about Andrew Brown, mm-hmm. who is a freaking dude. I love Andrew Brown, Joe, and you know as well as anybody, I love a good tea sip. Oh, well, I don't have any tea. No, don't do it. But I do have some whiskey. This
2: is embarrassing.
3: So I I do need to sip a little bit of whiskey here because yours truly pegged Andrew Brown as a top fifty player in the draft class in August.
2: Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720
3: plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. And nobody knows who Andrew Brown is all throughout the season because Virginia runs this BS three-man front. They're asking the two gap. And he goes to the Senior Bowl. And my comp going back to the summer was he has a lot of the same traits as what you saw from Malik McDowell and Andrew Brown gets to the Senior Bowl, he weighs in very lean, and then goes out on the field, and he's just a terror. He's got an awesome motor, and he's tearing guys up. I think you put him at three tech, you're going to have a lot of success with Andrew Brown at the next level. And you know, we happen to overhear him in the lobby of the Renaissance talking to an NFL scout about how much he enjoyed finally being out of a two-gap scheme and finally getting a chance to show some of his athleticism. And I think there's a good kind of lesson here as far as scouting. It's about traits, right? And a lot of people have questions when we come to the table with traits and present traits and say, you know, we see this from this guy and we think this is a re- really good player if you put him in this opportunity. That's the hard part about scouting. That's how players fall through this cracks. If you miss things, that's how players uh, can totally transform from a college role to a pro role. If you get them in something that's more conductive to what they do well, and I think Andrew Brown, if he goes to an even front, is going to be a great example of that.
2: Kyle, let's uh, get to this question here from Jordan and Dvix. Uh, any chance you LA. see? Yeah. Any chance you see Roquan Smith or Tremaine Edmonds falling to the Packers at 14? He's ready to see an actual difference maker on the middle of the defense. Those guys would be that. Uh, that that would be the guys you'd want to target and hope they get to 14. I'm not optimistic that they do make it that far, though, Kyle.
3: Um, well, it's interesting, Joe. Did you see – the numbers as far as like the top off-ball linebacker drafted in yeah, not, each of the last several yeah, classes?
2: Even like C.J. Mosley, right, was not nearly as high as people thought.
3: Yeah, I think he was like 15 yeah, or yeah. So I, something like I, that. I
2: get what I said was pretty bold there, but I think that when you look at some of the teams that are picking in front of them in, in the way that this draft sets up and, and and those guys being what I think are top half of the first-round type talents, I'm not optimistic that they get there. So I actually just did a Packers seven-round mock draft for FanRag Sports. And I was in this position having to make this pick, and I thought the best player on the board was Isaiah Wynn. Now, I know that's not going to make Jordan happy by giving him the middle of the defense-type player like he wanted, but, you know, I think that they could solidify that offensive line and plug him in at guard and have a top-five unit in the NFL with an Isaiah Wynn. But, um, you know, if they wanted to go linebacker at 14, they're going to have to start thinking about Rashawn Evans, who – he moves as well as those guys. He's just not there mentally uh, yet. He's shown a lot of growth based on what we saw at the end of 2016 when he was thrown into the fire. And then um, he, he showed a lot of growth this season. So right, Rashawn Evans is more the linebacker that I think would be available at 14.
3: Yo, let's talk about the question that just came through from life of – to Braun. I don't know if – is that t Braun or Braun. Why is Lorenzo Carter not giving, getting any love? That is a great question. I don't know, because Lorenzo Carter, if you go back and watch 2016 tape on him, he, you can tell he's a really good athlete. You can tell he's kind of a bendy guy. And it's funny, because these bendy guys are usually the ones that, like, Draft Twitter picks up on, and it says, oh, my goodness, I don't uh, – what are you showing me?
2: That's the, the next guy on my list. This is the, the guys that I have to
3: do. Lorenzo Carter. Next up. Lorenzo yeah, Carter. Yeah. The I can't guy. read your chicken scratch. Well, I'm not a great
2: hand man. What can I tell you?
3: So Lorenzo Carter, you go back and you watch his 2016 tape, and you could tell he's a great athlete. You can tell he's got all the traits. You know, We just got done talking about traits that people look for in a blue-chip pass rusher. But he had no idea what he was doing as far as like dealing with contact and getting off the of bodies and, and utilizing his length to the best of his ability. So then he goes over the summer and he works with uh, Chuck Smith, who I've had a chance to speak with just a handful of times and really, really respect what he does. I remember the first time I met Chuck, he was down Senior Bowl uh, with uh, Noah Spence, who ended up going to the Tampa Bay Bucs. And uh, Chuck is, you know, as a former pass rusher, outside linebacker, defensive end, kind of whatever, you know, I played at the high school level, played a little bit of semi-pro. Uh, that was; Those were my positions. That's where I really feel like I have the strongest grasp on, like, technique and responsibilities and how that game works in that individual niche on the field um, Chuck's awesome and you could see when you go back and watch Lorenzo Carter this year versus last year the improvements that he made as far as his length and his hand counters and his ability to find the football TJ Sten in the 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 uh, comments here just said really had a nose for this ball. This year at UGA. And he's absolutely right. Rain or shine. Really like Lorenzo Carter. If you were to just watch Lorenzo Carter's 2017 tape, you would think this is like a round two player as far as no. His functional strength's probably not where you want it. Uh, his ability to kind of stack blocks and, and set the edge and be effective in that regard isn't great. But his length, his burst, his bend, These are all things that you really look for in boundary pass rushers. And um, he's got all those things. And now he has a little bit of technique and some thought process behind it as far as how to use your hands and strike with first contact and maximize your length. And uh, I think it's a great testament to what Chuck Smith does, that Lorenzo Carter had as good of a year as he does. And it's a great question why uh, Lorenzo Carter's not getting any more love because personally
2: I like Lawrence Carter a lot I did a, uh, a piece on him after the Notre Dame game where he probably had his best game of his life yeah and uh, he, yeah. he did so many different things in that in that game where he where he, the different places that he lined up and, and showed some ability in space and and as a pass rusher so I like his versatility and, and as I, I showed everybody he's the next guy on my list so I'll have a much uh, more in-depth opinion next time we talk can we talk about
3: Marcus Davenport?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Why, has he fizzled? Uh, Yeah, we can, Kyle.
3: Um, Uh, Go ahead, go ahead.
2: Well, you know, I think this is, it's kind of unfortunate, because sometimes players get inappropriately hyped, and I think that was the case here. Um, Always been a super toolsy guy, and, and you saw that with how, Big and how long he is and and how well he actually moves for his size but he's always been very underdeveloped as a pass rusher and that's something that if you watch the tape you knew and you know there there's a lot of nuance to rushing the passer and and i think where he really misses the mark is in the nuanced pieces of it because he's got length he's got power he's got bend he's got he's got okay flexibility he doesn't have great bend but but where he Fails is using his footwork to set up his rush and really forcing the offensive tackle to to extend and then using his hands to really soften angles and, and get by offensive tackles. It's it's not really where he has a lot of success. So he just needs to develop a lot of nuance and technique to complement his physical traits. And he's always been a project. I said before. I said immediately after. I did Marcus Davenport's film evaluation. I said, I don't know if the NFL is going to think this guy's Ziggy Ansah, and I don't know if they think he's going to be Carlos Dunlap, but the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. And he's got that type of ability, but he's got to develop it. And so I think that uh, everyone was really hoping for him to show that at the Senior Bowl, and it didn't happen. And so now we think of him more as the Carlos Dunlap
3: developmental guy. Raise your glasses. It's time to pour one out for the Marcus Davenport top 15 height because it is
2: no don't. more. You ah, no, scared
3: no, me. I'm not going to waste good whiskey on Marcus Davenport. I'm sorry <laughs> to tell you. Uh, so yeah, I think a lot of Marcus's production has came from just at the level that he was playing at. He was such a superior athlete. You know, bigger, faster, stronger than everybody. And then you go back and you watch some of the sacks and he's picking on Sunbelt tackles and running backs for sacks and running through guys. And it's just not sustain- sustainable production, really. Now, I'll say this. If you were to come to me with Marcus Davenport's tape and say, hey, what do you think about this guy as a third-round prospect? I love him. Like, he's toolsy. He's got all the traits you want. Pad level's an issue. Uh, Joe, my comfort him is actually Taco Charlton as far as he's big, he's long, he doesn't bend well, he doesn't have great first step, but at least Taco played at the Big Ten. You know, Marcus Davenport played in the Sun Belt, and he had good production, but some of the concerns that you had with Taco Charlton and saw how that manifested with his rookie season, I think you're going to see with Marcus Davenport where he, just, he doesn't know what he's doing yet. And that's something that we just got done talking about with, with Lorenzo Carter and you know, the issues as far as you have to have a plan. You have to have a pass rush plan. And I really didn't feel like when I watched Marcus Davenport on tape, I felt good about him having a plan about what he was doing and how he was a, a, attacking offensive tackles on a consistent basis.
2: I've got a follow up on this, Kyle, and and I think what can sometimes happen when we see a player get really overhyped on the national scale, but I think the the true tape guys like us kind of know the truth is that we have a tendency to drive that tape, baby. Well, we have a tendency to kind of drive it so far the other way. So don't listen to this and think that, well, at least for myself, that I don't think Marcus Davenport has a future and that he doesn't have a tool bag worth investing in. It's just that. That 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 high first round hype was was really was really never there. So
3: we don't have to. Yeah, I mean when he's when, it, when it's getting mocked to Cleveland at four, we have a problem. Right, like, that's that's really the root of it. Is and I think that that's also an important thing to take away as as we kind of wind down here today on the show. We don't actively root against anybody. We want to see all these guys have success, right? But it's the context, and a lot of times it's the way that they're framed in the media that a lot of times you get the pushback from that says, you know, let's pump the brakes here. Like, there's this, like, I want Marcus Davenport to be like a third-round pick for my team, and I'm going to be really excited about him and what he can bring to the table. But when you have people presenting him on television and suggesting top 10 player, it just feels like it's it's miscast and it's you know I want I want the followers of, of us and our content and NBC Scouting, I want them to be informed as far as like where a player stands coming out of college. And if you start taking the film of Marcus Davenport and you watch that and then tell people that he's a top ten pick, you never know what an NFL team's gonna do. So maybe they do fall into that trap and, and just get swooned by that upside. But you'd like to think that the, the packages that they have, that there's no justification for a Marcus Davenport or a Josh Allen to be a top-five pick. So I'm going to change the subject now that I just dropped that woge bomb on people. Mike Alford wants to know where we can find us on Twitter. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I'll say it slow. At the Joe Marino. I'm easy. I'm at NDT Scouting. So where you found this Instagram account is where you can find me personally on Twitter. And then our website is at NDT Scouting LLC. Joe, let's tackle one more question. Have you seen any that have come through here in the past two, three minutes since we've been on our soapbox here that you think are worth tackling?
2: Uh, we could take Owning's question. About uh, how we value the cluster of interior offensive line after Nelson. Oh, let's
3: yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Go ahead.
2: Isaiah Win is next, <laughs> so I think I think yes. that that's it's to me it's okay. Quentin Nelson, Isaiah Wynn. okay, then all the rest Ooh, of the guys really mm-hmm. kind of come into play for me. Oh. And, and hat tip to Roger Dixon. All right, Roger Dixon uh, was on this train for a long time. and uh, I, The,
3: he, the uh, wind train?
2: Yeah, he, he was right about it. He, he's tremendous yeah. football player. <laughs> uh, but after that, for me, Kyle, I think you've got a lot of guys that are more scheme-specific. right? If I want a center, and I'm looking at James Daniels, and I'm looking at Billy Price, if I'm running his own scheme, give me James Daniels. If I want a gap power scheme, give me uh, Billy Price. But I think both of those guys are worth uh, first-round, early-second-round picks. If you look at guys like like uh, Will Hernandez, the guard from UTEP, gap power guard. He's going to have a whole lot more value to the Jacksonville Jaguars than he's going to have to uh, a team that's going to run more zone concept. So a lot of scheme-specific guys that are going to be valued differently by other teams, but I think that's kind of the premier, you know, guys. Frank Ragno's a little bit in that mix for me, but, um, you know, those are the guys that I feel comfortable saying are the starters and then – after that, it's, it's very much more backup type players. Wyatt Teller may be close in that tier, but he's, he's a little bit beyond, below that for me.
3: Yeah, he had such a weird senior bowl. Yeah. Didn't he? He did. Like, Wyatt, Wyatt, I came away with more questions than answers yeah. as far as what he is. And, and that's usually not the case. You know, Joe talked about when he was talking about the combine how it's confirmation bias season. You know, you want. As an evaluator, you want to see the same things in every environment that you put these guys in, as what you saw on tape. And if you don't, okay, now you have a complicated evaluation on your hands where you got to go back to the film, you got to look for more context, you got to figure out where the disconnect is between what you saw from them in this environment and what you saw from them in this environment. So, a guy like Wyatt Teller, he was really, really good at Virginia Tech. Uh, a little overaggressive, tendency to get his body weight out over top of his toes a little bit too much. But the dude was a smash-mouth football player. I mean, he kicked your ass inside. He just moved you around, and he moved bodies and reset the line of scrimmage and everything that you wanted from a gap in power guard. But he was also productive in pass protection. And then you put him in the senior bowl, and he's lost. Like, the kick slide's all over the place. He's taken false steps out of his stance, and... He's not balanced, and he's not patient, and so it kind of raises some concerns. So he's a guy I still have circled. I have to go back and re-watch Wyatt Teller. Thanks, Wyatt. Like, I don't have enough players to watch. And, and, <laughs> and re-watch and kind of ask those hard questions as far as, okay, now this is what I saw at the Senior Bowl. This is what I'm seeing on film. Where's the disconnect? Uh, as far as me, for the interior class, it's Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson's in a stratosphere entirely of his own. Isaiah Wynn is the next level of the atmosphere. You know, I don't remember. I took, like, those science classes in, like, 8th, ninth grade. I don't remember stratosphere, and I don't remember what's below that. But Isaiah Wynn's in that group. And then every – the clouds, I can tell you cumulonimbus clouds. (laughs) Do you know what cumulonimbus clouds are? Uh, they're, they're in the sky. No, yeah. those, are, those, are, those are thunderclouds, the big yeah. puffy clouds. They're going to expose.
2: We're going to start talking about science. I'm going to get really
3: exposed and there, here. And then there's Altocirrus yeah. clouds, so the, the wispy ones. Okay, all right, so we're moving <laughs> on. Anyway, the, the point is it's Quentin Nelson, Isaiah Wynn, I stand with Joe, and then everybody else is kind of in a group of its own. if I look over my interior group, I think this is actually a really solid center class. Uh, I like Mason Cole. Mason Cole's another guy that did not have a really good senior bowl. Joe, was he the guy that was the, the diagonal snapper?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because he, um, yeah. <laughs> he moved <laughs> back from the tackle. Yeah, it
3: was bad. Holy cow, man. We're sitting in the XOS film room at the senior bowl at Mobile, and we're watching the practice video, and Mason Cole's every single snap that he has is coming to the left guard. Like, Five yards deep, so whoever was standing at a quarterback after about three snaps stopped, stand, stopped standing behind Mason Cole and started standing behind the left the left guard. And the the shotgun snaps were hitting him in the chest, standing behind the left guard. So first of all, he's got to work out that snap issue. But I like Mason Cole. I think he's a much better interior guy than an, than an offensive tackle. Uh, I like Scott Questenberry. I thought he took nice strides on tape as well. You know, his anchor was kind of exposed to the senior bowl in one-on-one situations, but I think center is also an area where you can kind of get away with not having great core strength and, and functional strength because you're more of that help guy, that space guy. You're up on the second level a lot. So I like Scott Questenberry. I like uh, James Daniels. Uh, I'm not saying necessarily that's, that's the order that I put them in, uh, but Joe, as Joe said, a lot of these guys are scheme-specific. Brian Allen from Michigan State is another guy that I watched his film Is like, yeah, I can see that guy going, like, end of day two. Uh, be him a plug-and-play starter at center for somebody. Uh, center class is really good. The guard class, I think you, you're very much tiered. You've got two guys that I would feel comfortable being universal prospects, Quentin Nelson and Isaiah Wynn, and then the rest of these guys, as Joe said, was scheme-specific. Scheme um, Joe, any parting thoughts before we wrap up? I think we've been hitting this long enough. Uh, yeah. First of all, before you get parting thoughts, thank you everybody for, who tuned in and, and experienced this with us as we kind of felt our way through Instagram Live. This was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, I, I, that's what I was gonna say, Kyle. Just uh, really appreciate all the participation, and the entire goal here was to get some interaction, and, and we got that. And uh, and always good to see your beautiful face uh, during a a podcast. What is that reaction, Kyle?
3: What, well, Let's what, not make this weird what now. What is that? <laughs> let's not make this weird. You um, made it
2: weird by by making it weird. That's on you.
3: Listen, I have very I have very masculine features. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so don't rope me into your beautiful, beautiful Mm. face. Handsome. Um, Handsome. Okay, all right, it was the word
2: choice. It It wasn't me commenting on your face. It was the word choice. Okay, all right.
3: Listen, I'm a very vain individual, so I love a good compliment. We all know. we
2: We all know. That's why I didn't understand why you didn't take my compliment, but I didn't understand you were so particular about your compliments, but that would only make sense.
3: Yeah, so anyway, we're going to wrap this up. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. If you're tuning in live or if you tuned in and watched this podcast or listened to this podcast after the fact. We are the Draft Dudes. We take a lot of pride in being entertaining. I think that's our primary goal is entertaining the viewers and watchers and a lot of gracious comments here as we wrap up the show. Uh, Thank you. On a serious note, thank you. Because, uh, <laughs> Joe, you have to answer this question from TJ. <laughs> TJ, you can't ask that while I'm wrapping up the show, whoa, whoa, man.
2: What's the question? Wait, what did
3: you get? What did you get, Kyle, for Valentine's Day?
2: Um, I feel like I need to have an answer here, but I don't have one. Um, I gave you the gift of. Uh, here's what I did, Kyle and I both had Valentine's Day plans with our significant others. And Kyle, yes, said, you know, Kyle said, Joe, you know what, man? He goes, you unplug tonight, I'll handle all the publishing on NDTScouting.com. Well, our staff evidently didn't have any plans with their significant others. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, Jonah Tolles and Benjamin Solak, and these guys rip out pieces, you know, a couple of bombs, right? Like, like, Two, three thousand word pieces. Yeah, Yeah. and so and so, uh, uh, they said they were ready to go. And uh, even though I told Kyle I would unplug and let him handle the publishing, I got it done. And so that was my gift to Kyle for Valentine's. No, man,
3: that's not a gift. You're pissing me off. Everybody sends in the group DM. Hey, this article is done. It's ready to run. And I like go over to WordPress and tackle it. And Joe's already in there editing the piece. I don't understand. Point, man. The, the, the dude is a publishing machine he is a grinder both of us are grinders and that's what we do here on draft dudes we grind that tape and we bring you good takes we'd like to thank you all for tuning and listening as a reminder if you're experiencing us on instagram live for the first time or on draft dudes for the first time you can follow joe he's on twitter at the joe marino i'm on twitter at ndt scouting you can keep up with all of our latest and greatest at fanragsports and ndtscouting.com Highly encourage you guys to check out what we got in the, uh, in the hopper. We got a lot of good stuff. Uh, I'm Kyle Krabs, signing off with Joe Marino. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast. Let's do this again next week. We'll talk to you on Monday. Let's do an Instagram Live again on Friday.
1: Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV.